2 Kings chapter 7. I continue to wait for the Lord to help, Elisha replied. Listen to the Lord's message. This is what the Lord has said. About this time tomorrow, a shea of finely milled flour will sell for a shekel, and two shays of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. An officer who was the king's right-hand man responded to the prophet, Look, even if the Lord made it rain by opening holes in the sky, could this happen so soon? Look, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of the food. Now four men with skin disease were sitting at the entrance of the city gate. They said to one another, Why are we just sitting here waiting to die? If we go into the city, we'll die of starvation. If we wait here, we'll die. So come on, let's defect to the Syrian camp. If they spare us, we'll live. If they kill us, well, we were going to die anyway. So they started toward the Syrian camp at dusk. When they reached the edge of the Syrian camp, there was no one there. The Lord had caused the Syrian camp to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a large army. Then they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has paid the kings of the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us. So they got up and fled at dusk, leaving behind their tents, horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. When the men with the spin disease reached the edge of the camp, they entered a tent and had a meal. They also took some gold, silver and clothes and went and hid it all. Then they went back and entered another tent. They looted it and went and hid what they had taken. Then they said to one another, it's not right what we're doing. This is the day to celebrate, but we haven't told anyone. If we wait until dawn, we'll be punished. So come on, let's go and inform the royal palace. So they went and called out the gatekeepers of the city. They told them we entered the Syrian camp and there was no one there. We didn't even hear a man's voice. But the horses and donkeys are still tied up and the tents remain up. The gatekeepers relayed the news to the royal palace. The king got up in the night and said to his advisers, I will tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know we are starving. So they left the camp and hid in the field, thinking, When they come out of the city, we will capture them alive and enter the city. One of the advisers replied, Pick some men and have them take five of the horses that are left in the city. Even if they are killed, their fate will be no different from that of all the Israelite people. We're all going to die. Let's send them out so we know for sure what is going on. So they picked two horsemen. And the king sent them out to track the Syrian army. They ordered them, go and find out what's going on. So they tracked them as far as the Jordan. The road was filled with clothes and equipment that the Syrians had discarded in their haste. The scouts went back to the king. Then the people went out and looted the Syrian camp. A shea of finely milled flour sold for a shekel, and two shays of barley for a shekel, just as in the Lord's message. Now the king had placed the officer who was at his right-hand man at the city gate. When the people rushed out, they trampled him to death in the gate. This fulfilled the prophet's word, which he had spoken when the king tried to harass him. The prophet has told the king, two shays of barley will sell for a shekel, and a shea of finely milled flour for a shekel. This will happen about this time tomorrow at the gate of Samaria. But the officer had replied to the prophet, Look, even if the Lord made it rain by opening holes in the sky, would this happen so soon? Elisha had said, Look, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of the food. This is exactly what happened to them. The people trampled him to death in the city gate. 2 Kings chapter 8 Elisha again helps the Shumanite woman. Now Elisha advised the woman whose son he had brought back to life, You and your family should go and live somewhere else for a while. 
for the Lord has decreed that a famine will overtake the land for seven years. So the woman did as the prophet said. She and her family went and lived in the land of the Philistines for seven years. After seven years the woman returned from the land of the Philistines and went to ask the king to give her back her house and field. Now the king was talking to Gehazi, the prophet's servant, and said, Tell me all the great things that Elisha has done. When Gehazi was telling the king about how Elisha had brought the dead back to life, the woman whose son had been brought back to life came to ask the king for her house and field. Gehazi said, My master, O king, this is the very woman, and this is her son, whom Elisha brought back to life. The king asked the woman about it, and she gave him details. The king assigned a eunuch to take care of her request and ordered him, Give her back everything she owns, as well as the amount of crops her field produced from the day she left the land until today. Elisha meets Hazael. Elisha travelled to Damascus when King Ben-Hadad of Syria was sick. The king was told, The prophet has come here, so the king told Hazael, Take a gift and go visit the prophet. Request from him an oracle from the Lord. Ask him, Will I recover from this sickness? So Hazael went to visit Elisha. He took along a gift, as well as forty camel loads of all fine things of Damascus. When he arrived, he stood before him and said, Your son, King Hadad of Syria, has sent me to you with a question. Will I recover from this sickness? Elisha said to him, Go and tell him you will surely recover. But the Lord has revealed to me that he will surely die. Elisha just stared at him until Hazael became uncomfortable. Then the prophet started crying. Hazael asked, Why are you crying, my master? He replied, Because I know the trouble you will cause the Israelites. You will set fire to their fortresses, kill their young men with the sword, smash their children to bits, and rip open the pregnant women. Hazael said, How could your servant, who is as insignificant as a dog, accompany accomplish this great military victory. Elisha answered, The Lord has revealed to me that you will become the king of Syria. He left Elisha and went to his master. Ben-Hadad asked him, What did Elisha tell you? Hazael replied, He told me you would surely recover. The next day Hazael took a piece of cloth, dipped it in water and spread it over Ben-Hadad's face until he died. Then Hazael replaced him as king. Jehoram's reign over Judah. In the fifth year of the reign of Israel's king Joram, son of Ahab, Jehoshaphat's son Jehoram became king over Judah. He was 32 years old when he became king and he reigned for eight years in Jerusalem. He followed in the footsteps of the kings of Israel just as Ahab's dynasty had done, for he married Ahab's daughter. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, but the Lord was unwilling to destroy Judah. He preserved Judah for the sake of his servant David, to whom he had promised a perpetual dynasty. During the reign, Edom freed themselves from Judah's control and set up their own king. Jehoram crossed over to Zaire with all his chariots. The Edomites, who had surrounded him, attacked at night and defeated him and his chariot officers. The Israelite army retreated to their homeland. So Edom has remained free from Judah's control to this very day. At the same time, Libna also rebelled. The rest of the events of Jehoram's reign, including a record of his accomplishments, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Judah. 
Jehoram passed away and was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. His son Ahaziah replaced him as king. Ahaziah takes the throne of Judah. In the twelfth year of the reign of Israel's king Joram, son of Ahab, Jehoram's son Ahaziah became king over Judah. Ahaziah was twenty-two years old when he became king and reigned for one year in Jerusalem. His mother was Athaliah, the granddaughter of King Omri of Israel. He followed in the footsteps of Ahab's dynasty and did evil in the sight of the Lord, as Ahab's dynasty had done, for he was related to Ahab's family. He joined Ahab's son Joram in a battle against King Hazael of Syria at Ramoth-Gilead, in which the Syrians defeated Joram. King Joram returned to Jezreel to cover from the wounds he had received from the Syrians in Ramah when he fought against the king of Syria, Hazael. King Ahaziah, son of Jeroam of Judah, went down to visit Joram, son of Ahab, in Jezreel, for he was ill. 2 Chronicles chapter 21 Jehoshaphat passed away and was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. His son Jehoram replaced him as king. Jehoram's reign, his brothers, Jehoshaphat's sons, were Azariah, Jekiel, Zechariah, Azarihu, Michael, and Sephatiah. All these were sons of King Jehoshaphat of Israel. Their father gave them many presents, including silver, gold, and other precious items, along with fortified cities in Judah. But he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. Jehoram took control of his father's kingdom and became powerful. Then he killed all his brothers as well as some of the officials of Israel. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king and he reigned for eight years in Jerusalem. He followed in the footsteps of the kings of Israel, just as Ahab's dynasty had done, for he married Ahab's daughter. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. But the Lord was unwilling to destroy David's dynasty because of the promise he had made to give David a perpetual dynasty. During Jehoram's reign, Edom freed themselves from Judah's control and set up their own king. Jehoram crossed over with his officers and all his chariots. The Edomites, who had surrounded him, attacked at night and defeated him and his chariot officers. So Edom has remained free from Judah's control to this very day. At the same time, Libna also rebelled and freed themselves from Judah's control because Jeroboam rejected the Lord God of his ancestors. He also built high places on the hills of Judah. He encouraged the residents of Jerusalem to be unfaithful to the Lord and led Judah away from the Lord. Jehoram received a letter from Elijah the prophet. This is what the Lord God of your ancestor David says. You have not followed in the footsteps of your father Jehoshaphat and of King Asa of Judah, but have instead followed in the footsteps of the kings of Israel. You encourage the people of Judah and the residents of Jerusalem to be unfaithful to the Lord, just as the family of Ahab does in Israel. You also killed your brothers, members of your father's family, who were better than you. So look, the Lord is about to severely afflict your people, your sons, your wives, and all your own. And you will get a serious chronic intestinal disease, which will cause your intestines to come out. The Lord stirred up against Joram the Philistines and the Arabs who lived 
beside the Cushites. They attacked Judah and swept through it. They carried off everything they found in the royal palace, including the sons and wives. None of his sons was left except for the youngest, Ahaziah. After all this happened, the Lord afflicted him with an incurable intestinal disease. After about two years, his intestines came out because of the disease, so that he had died a very painful death. His people did not make a bonfire to honour him, as they had done for his ancestors. Jehoram was thirty-two years old when he became king, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. No one regretted his death. He was buried in the city of David, but not in the royal tombs. Matthew chapter 6, Pure-Hearted Giving Be careful not to display your righteousness merely to be seen by people. Otherwise you will have no reward with your Father in heaven. Thus, whenever you do charitable giving, do not blow a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets so that people will praise them. I tell you the truth, they have their reward. But when you are doing your giving, let not your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your gift may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Private Prayer Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray while standing in synagogues and on street corners, so that people can see them. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to the Father in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not babble repetitiously like the Gentiles, because they think that by their many words they will be heard. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. So pray this way, our Father in heaven, may your name be honoured, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we ourselves have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Proper fasting. When you fast, do not look sullen like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that people will see them fasting. I tell you the truth, they have their reward. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others when you are fasting, but only to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Lasting treasure. Do not accumulate for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and devouring insect destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but accumulate for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and devouring insect do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, the eye of the lamp of your body. If then your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is diseased, your whole body will be full of darkness. But then the light in you is darkness. How great is the darkness! No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Do not worry. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. 
Isn't there more to life than food and more to the body than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, yet their heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they are? And which of you, by worrying, can add even one hour to life? Why do you worry about clothing? Think about how the flowers of the field grow. They do not work or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of these. And if this is how God clothes the wild grass, which is here today and tomorrow is tossed into the fire to heat the oven, won't he clothe you even more, you people of little faith? So then don't worry saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the unconverted pursue these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But above all, pursue his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. So then, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own.